Well, you know, I coached in it. Yep. I think seven times and from the very beginning, from the first USA team. Welcome to Mother Puckers, the first and only podcast for hockey moms by a hockey mom, and that's me, Julie Bardownski. Here we are, episode 62. Hopefully y'all have uh, listened to episode 61, part one, Lou Vero, as he gave the background of how he came up in the world of hockey and just basically in the world. Phenomenal conversation, and today we'll continue that conversation. But first, I want to say, um, Mother Puckers, we want to give a moment of silence for Bobby Hall, the Golden Jet. I think you might, if you have, if you did listen to last week's episode, uh, Anatoly Tarasov and Marshall Johnson doing the comparison of their favorite player, Anatoly Fiersov, and they said, versus Bobby Hall, just to uh, in a game, and they were saying, you know, Hull wins that game when it's one on one, two on two, three on three, up until you get to five on five, and then they give Fiersoff the win. But it just gives such a tribute to that Golden Jets' personal skill as to what he brought to the game of hockey and to the teams he played for. So prayers go out to the whole family on the loss of their patriarch. Minnesota had its hockey day. Z over the weekend and it was great uh activities that they had was beautiful days the host site team was white bear or the host city was uh, white bear um they had high school hockey hill murray ended up playing um white bear high school and that um white uh hill murray ended up winning there was adult hockey sled hockey there were open skates cold day the ODR looked so juicy up there. Hopefully, if you were in White Bear or anywhere in Minnesota, you had an opportunity to participate in activities all around. Next year, it's going to be in War Road, which is home from many famous hockey players and one of my all-time favorites, TJ Oshie. And make sure you check out War Road uh, for their hockey gear, which is TJ Oshie's company based out of War Road. Anything else going on here? So the games... We had scheduled for last weekend, got canceled. I think it was weather-related. We did get some snow here in Michigan, and they got some snow where the team was coming from. So we're sad we didn't get to have games, and it was one of those, what the heck do you do with yourselves? Fortunately, <laughs> they, we have our very own displaced hockey mom club here in Detroit Rock City, and one of the moms, we were on a team together last year, so that's that brings good support, I guess, and it's great. We've got another hockey mom. We realized that there's probably almost a direct straight line between our three hometowns of Miami, Nashville, and Fairbanks. So um, we have our little, our displaced hockey mom society here, which is good. Everybody needs their little support group wherever they are and whatever they're doing. I don't have a whole lot else I want to share. Oh, I do. Oh, apartment life. This is going to be a, a theme every week. Apartment life. So we have a gym. Actually, we have a really nice little conference room and game room with a bowling alley and a big pool. It's, it's 
it's really nice. So I go to the gym yesterday morning and I go early when I work out and when I pull up and it's 24 seven and you enter with a fob and I walk in and it was dark and I saw a man who was walking across the parking lot to go into the gym and as he walked in, he turned on the lights. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So as I'm changing from my wet shoes to my dry shoes, because that's something you do in the uh, the north is you get out of your wet, nasty snowshoes and you put on clean shoes and you go to the gym. That's just a thing. You should know this. But I, I start walking towards the back to start warming up and there's this guy sitting there one of the sheets so he'd been sitting there in the dark it was like a total creeper and I'm just like what what if I had been there by myself and the guy hadn't turned on the lights I swear I would have screamed so loud that I would have woken up everybody who lived near the gym there so anyway if you go to a gym and you are the first one there turn on the lights it's just weird to not have the lights on. Anyway, got the workout in and um, off we went for the day. Um, so today, part two of the Lou Vero interview, and uh, we're going to be going through uh, the 2002 Olympics. We're going to talk about World Juniors and how that started, World Championships team and the whole um, Hal Gill story, which is really good to hear. And he talks about coaching and um, really interesting things that he shares there about philosophies around coaching. And it's just a, it's a, it's another great section of the history of U.S. hockey. And it shows the difference from when Lou was coaching the World Juniors teams in the 80s and then when he coached again and was involved back up in the 2000s, and he talks about the differences between the two. So really great episode. Please, on the commercial side, like, rate, share, subscribe, all the things. Share this with your other hockey families. This is true USA hockey history. So I appreciate you listeners so, so much. I've gotten some uh, mailbag uh, notes. I've gotten some emails and some texts. And I will go through those in another episode. But I want to make this one going forward into part two with Lou Vero. And Lou Mangeluzzo, our very own hockey apostle. You know, I, I was at that 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake, and uh, I we left. I saw the U.S. game earlier in the week in the qualification rounds, but we literally, our flight was leaving right after the bronze medal game, so I didn't get to see um, U.S.-Canada game um, that you were coaching in there with Herb. Oh, we, that was a great, uh, great game. We missed Patriot. That was a – we made a defensive mistake we could have avoided, but we didn't. We didn't. And I'll, I'll always remember that. We could have won the gold medal. Not that Canada wasn't a great team. Right. Yeah. Or, and they deserved to win. But we could have won that game. I think it was 3-2, right? Yeah, I think it was. We could have won – we could have won that game. We, we, I, I, I was trying to explain to John Cunniff. I, I probably didn't explain it clear enough. 
and to her, something we needed to watch out for on that rink. Um, because I had coached for years in Europe and I got burnt as a coach until I figured out what to do, have my team do in a, in a certain situation. And in that situation with Korea and Sackett came up. They took full advantage of it. And we didn't defend it properly, although we had enough players back. They were in the wrong, one was in the wrong position. And they got in on our net and they got to score the winning goal. Yeah. But it's, it, it, I tried to explain it. John was dying of cancer. Great hockey guy. Great, great. Brooks, one of the great coaches. Great, great hockey man. And and I I didn't explain it right. I I, I just have to take the I blame myself. I I, what, I thought I explained it right, but maybe because I knew what I was I've experienced it, so I knew and I, I might have missed the I didn't impress them with that. They did they couldn't grasp what I was saying, I guess. And and I don't know if I said it right. But it's over with now and it wouldn't have mattered if we had Daycheck, we would have won by two goals. Lindros and those guys were afraid of him. Well, and, and those games all around, they were great. So I, I was, I was pulling a, a Lou Vero running the streets of Park City and ruining Bodie Miller's chances of getting any gold. So I was having my own fun up the hill. <laughs> 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 so, um, if you've got you know a few more minutes. I would love to dig into a little bit more. We we did World Juniors last week with Dave Starman. We talked a bit about the history of it and then this current year uh, and the and the outcome of it. But I'd love to hear some of your, your memories and stories of World Juniors in the years past. Well, you know, I coached in it, yep. I think, seven times. And from the very beginning, from the first USA team we ever had. And uh, so I'm quite familiar with the world junior as they went from year to year that you were coaching them. I think there was a little bit of a break in between a couple of them, right? Oh, big break. Yeah. What, what, what did you notice as a difference in, in, in the ones you, the ones you coached before the break and the ones after from a, from a team perspective, anything change? Oh, night and day at the beginning, we couldn't get any players, you know, the best players. I shouldn't say we, that's not fair to the kids that came. But we, we couldn't get the premier players. Then eventually we got a few. And the setup was different. There were no training camp. We had no money. We had no team outfits. We, Art Berglund and I used to make uh, hats for the kids out of old socks, USA hockey socks. We used to turn them into hats. Uh, one year we I got a, a $500 donation from a guy named Alex Donner in Seattle, and we bought jackets at uh, light jackets for winter sport, but that's all we could afford at uh, Kmart. Remember them? Yep. Kmart. Kmart. Yep. We bought we bought blue jackets. Brian Mullen swiped the can of traffic, white traffic paint from. Con Ed, like we used to get the pucks. He used to get pucks there too. And we bought a stencil in a five and ten cent store and we made USA and we outside the Hotel Asperia in Finland in a snowstorm. Art held the jacket up. I held the stencil and the can of paint. 
and we it, it all peeled off like in three days. So that didn't work. But we had no money, and we didn't have the best players, but we had good, great kids. Some of them were good. Occasionally, we'd get a good player like Neil Broughton or Mike Ramsey. But it took time. It took years to get the college and junior coaches to understand what the tournament was and why they should support it. They were selfish. They didn't want to lose a player. They didn't want a player to get hurt. Yeah. They might have exhibition. I understood that. But you got if I can serve in the military, they can let a player go play for that country. Right. That's how I looked at it. And that was my argument with Jackie Parker and, oh, most of the coaches. I don't want to pick on Jackie. He turned out to be very supportive eventually and even coached in it. But nobody understood what it was. And it was an eight-team round robin. So we'd fly over, let's say, to Sweden. We arrived in Sweden. We had no training camp. Uh, we were disappointed that we were turned down on 14 kids we asked for or something, whatever. And uh, we get to Sweden, and uh, our first game is against Team Czechoslovakia. We have a, a, a one-hour practice the next day after we get there. And then the next day, we play Team Czechoslovakia. Not the Republic of Czech or Czechia or Republic of Slovakia. We're playing Team Czechoslovakia. And they got all their guys. Many of them play in the Senior Pro League. And they got no players in the NHL from these countries yet. And they... Uh, they got disciplined and in shape and everything else playing together. They might have played uh, three exhibition games and had a 10-day training camp prior. Um, so we play the Czechs. They beat us six seconds left in the game. Stasny scores. They beat us 3-2. Mm. But that's okay. We don't have a game till the next day and it's Team Canada. But even Team Canada didn't always, at the beginning, bring an all-star team of Canadians. What they would do is they would bring the previous year's uh, Memorial Cup winner. And they'd fill in the players that left and graduated. They'd fill them in with stars from some of the other junior teams. So they were good. They were always good. And we played Canada. And they beat us, I remember this one year, they beat us 4-2. And then then you get a day off. But now you got to play Soviet Union and Sweden back-to-back. -back. And then you get a day off. And you got to play Finland and Germany or Norway or Switzerland, and the tournament's over. You, you play everybody once. And it was very hard. And uh, I'd always say, Jesus, we only could have got, you know, Joey Mullen and O'Callaghan and Jimmy Craig and all these players that we should, that they would have gotten if they were in those countries, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was it was very frustrating and, until it, it came around. And I now they have two and three camps and they yeah. have money and they got all the players. Louis made them go to a... Uh, Lou Mangeluso made them go to a a, a pre-tournament camp. Is that the one, Lou, you introduced? Yeah, well, at the last year, 
I suggested the digger that, you know, there's some kids on the bubble and you, you haven't seen anybody. So you better. And that's, I think it was the following year in, in 07 or 08 that they went to Ann Arbor for like two or three days. That's when it did actually start. Yeah. After I was gone. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and that matters. That, that's good thinking. And that matters. And we're much better because of stuff like that. Like I loved, I know it, some people were criticizing our team this year and I don't criticize them at all. I thought the kids played hard. I loved our penalty killing power play. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought our coaches had the team very well prepared and they played very well. I, I think they did. Uh, the checks were very impressive, and they were very impressive. And last summer, I saw their under-18 team win a Four Nations or a Five yep. Nation tournament in Colorado Springs. They played the same way. They they're coming back pretty good right now. Uh, Czechia, uh, Canada's always going to be good. It's not quite the same without Russia in it, but you know, world circumstances dictate otherwise. Uh, Sweden. Uh, you know, Sweden doesn't beat us very often. And that's amazing to me because, again, they might be, if not the most skilled, one of the most skilled teams you'll yeah. ever see yeah. year after year yeah. after year. Mm -hmm. And USA beats, we beat them on a very regular basis. And that's amazing to me. Say we struggled with the Finns for a few years there um, in the World Juniors. Because yes. they're tough. They're yeah, tough. they're very they're tough. tough. Yeah, yeah, and and they and they have a great program in that country. I was just looking. I want to ask you, you know, a couple questions. Uh, uh, the World Junior, real quick, and then something about the World Championship teams you coached. Uh, so I was looking back. Uh, the eighty-one or eighty-two, those the last time before we were together in 03 in Halifax. Chris Chelios was on this roster in in, in eighty-one or eighty-two. Phil Housley, Tommy Curvers, Scott Fusco, Michael Connor, like uh, Corey Miller. Some pretty good hockey players, huh? Yes, very good. But there was something you need to know about that. Scott Fusco, we had to send home. Okay. In order to get him, and Bill Cleary would not cooperate with anybody, but he did with me. I have a I had a good relationship with him then. And to this day, he's a great man. But Bill was very worried about his Harvard program. He didn't want guys to get hurt. Um, so okay. I had to I had to negotiate and to be considerate of of his responsibilities at Harvard. So Harvard had a game, middle of the World Junior Tournament, where I had to send Scott home. I think with three games to go in the tournament. Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, you can't replace them either. Yeah. But yeah, and in order to build up to the point we are today, or have been for the last 10, 12, 15 years, we had to do things like that. Uh, we had no camps uh, that I can remember even at that time. And there was, uh, yeah, they were very good players. Um, let me ask you, let me, on that team, John Casey and John Van Breesbrook were the goalies in 82. Yeah, and John, and you can ask him. You should ask him next time you saw him. 
I put him in against the Soviet Union. I had to take him out six nothing after one period. Wow. He, he lost his contact lenses on the flight, never told me. <sighs> and then we had to take him to the hospital because he had a high fever. He never told anybody he was sick. And speaking of John Van Beesburg, he was one great goalie. And and uh, and to show you <clears throat> what happened, we lost that game, I think, 6 nothing, right? The final? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I, we put, we put in Casey, and I think he shut the Soviets out in the last two periods, something like that. Okay, so let me ask you on that. So it was 20 years between the time you coached that team and you coached again with, with us, right? Yeah. Uh, uh. What's the big – what was the – is there one thing that rings that's the biggest factor, or the biggest change, or the what, 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 twenty years is a long time, right? Yeah, we were much better. We were, well, a, a, a number of factors, but one was we doubled the number of players playing hockey in the U.S. and uh, the coaching is so much better than we had a, a great coaching program at USA Hockey, so. Uh, we had many more coaches. Many more of our coaches today have played at a high level of hockey. We didn't have that in those days. We didn't. How do you think I, I ended up coaching? We couldn't find coaches to do that. And, and um, uh, another thing, the breakup of the Soviet Union and, and Czechoslovakia was huge. Opened the big door for teams like Finland, Sweden, USA. Because it was always one, two, three, usually always uh, Soviet Union or Canada or Czechoslovakia like that. They were always the three strongest hockey nations. And then it was the next level would be the USA, Finland, Sweden. Now you have coming up Switzerland. You have other countries getting better. I mean, the Danes can play. They might not have... Uh, 30 top junior players, but they got 10. And that, and that's often enough to be competitive. And then if each year that passes, a lot of these countries are getting stronger. And a lot of the countries that were the two big powerhouses were terribly weakened by uh, the, the fall of communism, the breakup of the countries. I mean, just imagine this year. If you took the best players from Czech and Slovak, and made them into one team. Yeah. They probably, they what? probably would have won the World Junior Championship this year, with Russia not in it. It oh, makes yeah. a difference. These are all. There's so many reasons. Yeah. Um, and they and they're all very common sense reasons if someone looks into it. Uh, you know, but I also think it's the greatest hockey tournament in the world. I love it better than any other tournament, including the olympics but there's depth there's depth now and that is and, and availability yeah and training and scouting like you said to digger uh people on the bubble we we had a limited budget usually it was me and art Berglund. and where where are we going we we went to scout and watch players and uh now and phil housley was 17 he was a high school player well, we wouldn't have gotten him if he was in college. Um, you know, and the Phil Housley at 17 
and the Phil Housley at 19 are two different players. Sure. You know, maturity, physical, yep. etc. And I remember seeing, I remember Ritzalainen, Siltanen, um, Yari Kuri, Max Naslin, Thomas Erickson, Thomas Janssen, Deli Pitt Lindbergh. These are the kinds of competition we were playing against. And when I was working for the Colorado Rockies, who became the Devils as a part-time scout, I'd go to the scouting meeting and I would tell them. They said, "How do? Who do you like?" Uh, I said, uh, "One time, I said I like Yari Curry, and I like the Swedish goalie, Pelle Lindbergh, and these are terrific guys, wonderful hockey men, GM, director, player personnel, and scouts, guys I certainly respected." And they would say, "Who?" And I would, "Who the hell is that?" That's what the answer I would get. I, I said, well, they play on the Swedish team or the Finnish junior team. I just coached against them. They're really good. And they would say to me, ah, they got to prove themselves in the OHA. They, we're not, or the Western League or the Quebec League. We can't take chances on guys like that. I said, well, who do you think they're playing against in the world junior? And they beating them. I'm telling you, they're good players. And that's the way it was. That, that, that was the thinking, the mentality, and until a few made it, you know. And the best line I've ever heard in hockey, Canada Cup, Calgary. Canada beats Sweden, eight or nine nothing. And Hocken Lube, who was one hell of a player and a great guy, Hocken Lube is asked by the Swedish press, Hocken. Why did we get beat so badly by Team Canada tonight? And he looked them right in the eye and he said, "Well, I guess we got too many Swedes on the team." Oh. <laughs> 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 because remember, Don Cherry said you can't have too many. You can't have too many. You can have one or two Swedes when they first came in the league. He said, "But you can't have too many on the team." And that was Hawk and Loops. <laughs> I know Julie wants to ask you about the development, the age, the model that you brought in the very beginning that's, that's been modified and moved forward in some areas the last 30 years or so. But the world championship teams, you coast a lot of them. Uh, what, tell, me what, tell, tell me about that. Tell us about that. Well, that was another deal. Hadn't coached in 10 years or 12 or whatever it was sitting in my office in Colorado Springs and Jim Johansson had just been hired, which um, I, I personally was pleased with. And he and Art Berglund come into my office and they say, Lou, we need to have a meeting with you. And, and Dougie Palazzari was executive director. And, and we want to have a meeting with you. I said, okay. Sure. What is it about? Oh, you'll see. It's it's a good thing. I said, all right. So I went down to Art's office. Jimmy was there. Dougie was there. And Dougie said, you got to coach the national team this year. I said, I'm not coach. I don't coach anymore. I haven't coached. I don't know any of the players like I used to. 
I said, what do you mean I have to coach? Well, why? And Doug was honest. He said, we can't get anybody. Nobody wants to coach the team. It looks like it's, Art said, it looks like it's going to be a weak team. Worried about the goalkeeping. We have, you know, we're worried. We're not going to have a very good team. Uh, we started making calls and we're getting turned down. And um, we, Dougie said, look, you know Russia. It's in St. Petersburg. You know Russia. You, you're comfortable in that scenario. Uh, you've, you've done it enough times. Uh, you've been with six or seven national senior teams as an assistant coach. You've been assistant coach with three or four Canada Cup teams. Um, you got I need you to do it. I said, well, I don't want to do it. He said, well, then I'll fire you. And he had that, <laughs> had that yeah, he did say, he had that cackling laugh. Well, then I'll fire you. <laughs> I said, I, please, I, I, let, let me go to my office. And I picked up a hockey news on the way out. It was on Art's desk. I said, I'm going to borrow this a minute. I went there. It was a miracle what happened. I sat down. I just opened it up to whatever page it opened. And there was an article, an interview with Yaramir Yaga. And I started reading it. It became interesting. And one of the questions was, it, by the way, he led the league in scoring that year, and he was leading the league in scoring at this time. I read it. The guy's reporter said, who's the toughest defenseman in the NHL for you to get around? That you, I mean, that you don't like to face. And he said, that guy on Boston, Hal Gill, it's impossible for me to beat him. I have had no luck against that guy. I never heard of Hal Gill. I never heard of him. And I took the paper. I didn't know if he was a Canadian or an American. So I took the newspaper back to Art, put it on his desk, and they were still in there, the three of them. I said, who's Hal Gill? And Jimmy said, uh, no good. Art said, ah, he's horseshit. He can't skate. <laughs> That's what he said. They both said that. I, 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 I said, where's he from? Is he a Canadian or American? They said, plays at Providence. He's an American. And I looked at Doug Palazzari. I said, put him on the team and I'll coach it. Let's call him today and put him on and I'll be the coach. And Art says, oh, I got all nervous, him and Jimmy. You never saw the guy. You never even know who he was. I, I said, oh, I know who he is. I said, the NHL's leading scorer, one of the greats in the game, if he's good enough for him, he's good enough for me. That's a true, totally true story. And Doug will back that up. The other two are dead, so they can't. <laughs> but but I, <laughs> I, I, I called Hal Gill. He was humble. He was wonderful. He was a nervous wreck when the first time I saw him. And I knew I had to have two good assistant coaches. And I consider Dean Blaze to be a great coach. Terrific. Absolutely. I called Dean. I said, would you give me a hand? He said, I, he got hysterical. He said, I'd love it. <laughs> I'd love it. He said, Uncle Louie, I'd love it. That's what he called me, Uncle Louie. And, and, and then I wanted to try to help Mark Johnson get back into the game. Uh, I love Mark. One of the greatest players we've ever had. Yes, sir. 
And his father was always so good to me. I, I, I called Mark. I said, Mark, would you come as assistant coach with Dean? And I, I said, people will see you. And if we have any luck, it'll be good for you. You can network, get back in the game where you belong. And he said, I'll, I'd love to do it. So that really made me feel confident that at least we had a really good staff. Let me ask you, Lou, um, uh, uh, you know, about how Gil went to Neshobe High School, which I never heard of anyway. He was a public he, he went to like Neshobe High School in Massachusetts, right? So no one ever heard of that. Nobody went to see them. They weren't, you know, Choate or Salisbury Prep or Belmont Hill, right? And plus uh, yeah. he was playing football too, right? I don't know. Is he a football player? Yeah. I don't know. He lives in Nashville so now too. He's, he's, he's a commentator for the Preds. Okay, so Lou, I got an old story. I was told something about the 2000 World Championships. Uh, about can you fill us in on what happened with Brian Gianta and Steve Hines? I I heard a little story about that. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah, I, I can tell you, but so I, I just want to tell you about how. So the first day at practice, I said, guys, I just stayed with my arms on the crossbar and watched them skate and pass and do things. Then I went to the bench but stayed on the ice <clears throat> and watched them practice. And I, I called Dean over and Mark. I said, hey, guys, 10, 12 years since I've been around American players, you know, this age. And we had a mixture. We had Brian Jonta, a college kid, uh, Jason Blake, who was – Red-shirted, wasn't playing. We had two guys who retired the year before. Didn't play the whole year. We picked them because we didn't have numbers. And they were great. And we, we had Ben Clymer. Well, what a team we had. Darby Hendrickson, Jeff Halpern I'd seen on TV. I loved them. Uh, Connor Walchuk. Uh, as it turns out, it was a great hockey team. We only lost one game, and we should not have lost that to the Slovaks. They were truly lucky. We only lost one game. We beat, wow. we beat Russia, Sweden, uh, Finland, uh, uh, all these teams, uh, Belarus, Latvia Titus, because Urbe made 54 saves. Um, it was unbelievable. Haggerty from the Miners. He once led the OHA in scoring. I remembered that from years and years ago. I said, he's got to be a hockey player. I don't care if he's in the minors. If he wants to come and play, give him a, we'll give him a chance. The one thing I did as a coach, I, I'm so proud. I was not a great coach or anything like that. But one thing I did that was great. I never sent a kid home and replaced them. Anybody who committed and came stayed. Number one, I think that's the right way to build a team. And I never not played anybody. Everybody played. Robert Esch never would have played if another coach was there. He was fat. He didn't shave for weeks. He hadn't played in a month. He was depressed. And 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 I played him against Russia in Russia. You want to know who played for Russia? Yashin. Afinagimov. Uh, Bure, uh, Kamensky. You, you know how good these guys were. Uh, oh God, I can't remember all the names. The defense well, from Winnipeg. Uh, 
oh, one after another. These the Russian team was great. And uh, S shut them out, made 42 saves. But anyway, getting back in that game with Russia, which was monumental. Uh, so we start out, we, and the goalies, Damian Rhodes, one of my all-time favorite people in the game of hockey. Uh, and he was hurt. And he came over with a hamstring injury, I think it was. And so we nursed him along as easy as we could. But when he played, boy, was he, what, did he compete? Did he play great? Uh, we played Switzerland, which was a good team. And, uh, you know, they had played like six exhibition games, training camp of two weeks. I had I, I had to put tape on the back, white tape on the back of our helmets of our players with their name and number, so I knew who the <laughs> hell I was talking to. I didn't know half. Like when they were <laughs> when they were mites, yeah, yeah. yeah. like in in, in in hockey school, yeah. And they wouldn't let us put it in the front. So anyway, uh, a three-three game, which was de- absolutely equal, Switzerland USA. It was. The fair score. And in the press conference, they asked me, what are your thoughts about the game? I said, it ended the way it should have. Both teams were equally good. 3-3, perfect. Perfect. I'm very satisfied. Uh, Switzerland can play hockey. And I'm very, very satisfied uh, with the score of the game. And they say, you play uh, Russia tomorrow. Uh, Do you have any thoughts about, about that game? I said, no, I didn't even, I don't even have any more thoughts about Switzerland right now. Let me go to the hotel and eat and then have a few beers and I'll think about it. And so now we got to play Russia. And I, 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 by the way, we never had in four years of coaching the national team. We did quite well. We beat every country, including Canada. We never had one video session. We never had one team meeting in the team meeting room. Not one. We never had one mandatory skate on the day of the game practice. It was all optional. I never went to one of them. Uh, I told Mark, I said, you and Dean want to go? Go. I'm not going. Seven o'clock in the morning and the other side of St. Petersburg. Uh, I, I want to see the players rest and get some sleep, eat some, the food was good, very good there, get some good nutrition and relax. They go through the, a whole season of meetings and videos and tests and everything else. The bottom line is there's two nets. One you defend, one you attack. If you get one more goal than the other guy, you win. Yeah. And, and, and talent will tell the difference. And I didn't know it. When I looked at the paper, I didn't know a lot of these kids. And and everybody was telling me it's not going to be a good team. That's why nobody wanted to coach it. I think they're great. I'll go, I would go to any war with these guys in my foxhole. Are you kidding me? Steve Connor Walchuk, Darby Hendrickson, uh, Stevie Hines, they're great. Plus, guys like Stevie Hines didn't have a contract. Jeff Nelson, they came because they wanted to play in the NHL again and they all got contracts that were in that situation because they played great. So we're on the bench, we're playing Russia. Oh, we had Phil Housley and Phil wasn't going to come. 
and, and when I called him, I, I said, Phil, I need you. I've had you on so many teams. I need you. He said, Lou, my mom died. Uh-huh. We just had the funeral last week. And dad, I invited dad to Arizona. We have a place in Phoenix and the whole family's going there. So I said, just keep thinking about it. And I, I went, had a meeting with Dougie and Art and Jimmy. I said, listen, I think I can get Phil to come, but here's how we have to do it. And you got to, I don't have, I don't handle the budget. I want to be able to tell him he can invite his dad and his dad could stay with him in his room and, and uh, eat meals with us and everything. Be part of the team. I know his dad. His dad's a great guy and he'll never be a problem. And you, we have a chance to get Phil. We really need him. So they agreed. And I called Phil and I, he said, well, what a great idea. And you told me that I know his wife too. I can't think of the name right now, but you told me that uh, she was a state Senator in Minnesota. You, I, I said, uh, she wa- always said she wanted to go to Italy. I'll, I'll set up a, uh, itinerary for you uh for italy afterwards you bring your whole family over at the end of the tournament and for a game or two and then you go to italy and have a vacation and bring your dad with you and your mother would love that if she knew this was all going on she probably can look down and see it anyway phil agreed so it was great having him he was unbelievable and that you know that was great so anyway we're on the bench and we're up three nothing, and Blake scored on a power play. Uh, Phil scored on a wraparound. Great defenseman behind the other team's goal, <laughs> and wrapped it right in. And and uh, Legwan scored on a semi breakaway. He ripped one from fifteen feet out over the shoulder of the goalkeeper, and we win the game. Three nothing. Esch gets the shutout, but before that, on the bench, Heinze turns to me and he's a very polite, good kid, and he played great over there. He said, "Coach, Brian Jonta hasn't touched the ice. I forgot about him, and and I couldn't see him. He's a really short guy. <laughs> I I never saw him. He was down the end of the bench. I never saw him." I absolutely didn't physically see him. <laughs> and so I, I I said, I can't put him out now, Steve. There's a minute to go. It's a shutout. What if he makes these ice cold? What if he makes a mistake? It would be worse than forget touching the ice. That would kill him. It would be really make him feel bad. I'll handle it, I said, but not not in this, not in this game. So when the game ended, the kids were happy as hell, whooping it up. Uh, fans were throwing bottles, empty bottles at us, and we had a stamp for the national anthem with our helmets on. Doc Stewart got hit in the head; he needed five stitches. And we get to the locker room, and of course, kids are thrilled. And all the big shots uh, are down in the dressing room, uh, excited, you know, the from the stands. Uh, the president uh, of the USA Hockey, the executive director, all of them. Yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah, I know how that goes. So, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, I, I got everyone's attention and I said, 
I have an apology to make. I said, Brian, I'm so sorry that I didn't play in the game. There was nothing intentional. I haven't coached in 10, 12 years. I don't even know half you guys. Um, maybe by the end of the tournament, I'll know who you all are. I know you, Brian, but I didn't see you. You were way at the end of the bench, and I just didn't see you. But your teammate from BC, also a BC guy, Heinze, made, made me aware with a minute to go, and I didn't want to put you out because what if a goal was scored? Uh, you'd feel bad. So you'll, you're in the lineup, and you're on the team, and you're going to be playing uh, the day after tomorrow against Sweden. And I just want to apologize. And, of course, he's a class act. Coach, it's okay, man. I'm so happy we won. It's all right. Don't sweat it. I said, yeah, I feel real bad. And not knowing, but that endeared me to the team that I recognized. Yeah. You owned up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because guys came up to me. Guys I didn't know, you know, really know well. And they really were happy with that. They said, that was so great. Uh, that's wonderful. And it's funny. We played Sweden, who was favored to win the whole thing. And they won something. They won a medal. We play them. And uh, what happens? First f- ten minutes of the first five minutes of the game, we, ke- we never got out of our own zone. Now, mind you, they never had a shot on net. Those Sundin twins or whatever they yeah. are from Vancouver Sedin. and all these guys. Yep. All these players, all they were doing was cycling. So I, I called the timeout. I got the t- I said, listen, guys, I didn't even have a thing to write on. I said, listen to me. This is important. Look at the ice in both corners in our end. It's full of snow, but they haven't had a shot on net. We haven't even crossed the red line yet down there. We don't have the puck. They have it. And what we have to do is play very, very smart. 1D, stick length away. We're basically doing it, but do it even more. Don't don't go for the puck. Don't go for them. Let them cycle. They can't score in the corner. And strong side D, cover physically, cover their D so he can't get by you. Send him in, back up the D that's stick length away. Weak side winger dropped to the high slot. D in front. Where are they going? Well, they never got a shot on net. I said, and we'll eventually get a turnover when they try to go to the net. We'll get a turnover. We might get a break. I'll be a son of a gun. Two minutes later, we get a break. Darby Hendrickson busts out of the zone with the puck. And on his right wing is Jonathan. We get a two-on-one. He passes it to Jonathan. It's in the net. One nothing. Nice. <laughs> Next shift out, Darby Henderson gets the puck off the boards in the neutral zone. Jonathan busts out. Two on one. He gets in the puck. He scores. It's two nothing. <laughs> so we beat Sweden 4 2. Jonathan has two goals. <laughs> nice. I, somebody said, why did you not play Jonathan in, uh, against the Russians? He never touched the ice. Why did you play him in this game? I gave him a good answer. I said, because he's well-rested. <laughs> <laughs> but you put and, him out and, there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it was a great, great tournament. But with Hal Gill, it was interesting because the practice ended. I got everybody together. 
the three goalies, including Kelly Miller, who, uh, uh, not Kelly Miller, uh, Ryan Miller, who got his jersey retired last night. They were each on their pads, on their knees to my left. I was in front of the goal. Practice is over. I said, any questions, guys? And Hal Gill said, yeah, coach, how do you want us to play the trap? And I'm an honest guy. You know, I know it's a stupid thing for a coach of a national team to say, but I said the truth. I said, what the hell is the trap? <laughs> and I said, show it to me. And they did. And I'm sure they're all saying to themselves, what the hell is this guy? This is before the tournament, before the first exhibition game with Finland, the only one. This is in Finland. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to them because I wasn't watching that much hockey and I wasn't coaching anymore. And I didn't want to be bothered with it. And uh, they showed me what it was. And I said, okay. I, you know, they, I said, what do you, your coaches say? And they started something with the face-off dots and go there. And I said, no, uh-uh, here's what we do. The first guy is standing still in front of our goalie, 15 feet out. Whoever picks up the only, and then he, you know, they angle you so you really have nowhere to pass through. Everybody's covered. I said, whoever picks up the puck. I don't care if it's a defenseman or a forward. Whoever picks it up, do not stop ever, ever behind the net. In fact, come right up and attack their first guy. He was having a heart attack. How? He said, what do you mean? Go right at him? I said, go right at him. He's standing still. If he skates at you, you'll beat him easy. But he's standing still or slow backwards. Beat him. You beat him, we have a five-on-four going up the ice. Use the width as well as the length. Cut across, get open, move the puck. We got a five-on-four for a couple of seconds in the offensive zone. You don't have to do any crazy fancy stuff. Just beat him. Yeah. Like pond hockey, you beat a million guys in your day. I said, what are you doing, Boston? He said, well, Bernsey wants us either off the glass, or in my case, he just tells me, give it to... Uh, what the hell was his name? What a great player. Defenseman with the Bruins. Bork. He went to the Avalanche to win a cup. Bork. What the- yeah, Ray Bork. Oh. Ray Bork. Bork. He said, yeah, he, he said, he said, uh, he told me, give it to Borky. Anytime I touch the puck, just give it to Bork. <laughs> I said, we don't have Bork. <laughs> so just beat the first four. Ch- he said, coach, he'll poke it away. What if I give it up? I said, what do you think we bought these three goalies for? Don't <laughs> in any book that says the goalies are not supposed to make great saves. That's what they're here for. They Right, it's goalies? Yep. They love making saves. Yep. And they all laughed. Oh, the whole team was hysterical. And 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 you know what? It, I believe in my heart that that tournament changed Hal Gill's career. He had confidence. He never once turned the puck over. He was great. And Jimmy and Art told me one night, they said, holy shit, we have, did we ever have him pegged wrong? What a player. And I said, that's only half of it. What a man. What a kid. Yeah. What a good guy. I said, you don't have any idea what a good person he is. Mm-hmm. And he happens to have one of the most beautiful wives I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And she's so 
sweet and beautiful that the next time I called him, he said, Coach, hi. Oh, God, great to hear from you. He said, you hear the good news? We made the playoffs. I said, I know. Congratulations. He said, why are you calling? Just to say that? I said, no. He said, well, I can't go. We're in the playoffs. I, I, I can't play on the national team this year. I said, I didn't call to invite you. I'm inviting Anne, your wife. And she's in the background. <laughs> I'm speaking, and she said, I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Let me just say this, uh, Lou, on that, on that note, obviously, uh, I, you, you, you changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah. You really did. And you were, you were a terrific coach because you loved the players. Oh, I love them. And, and, and the players loved you. Mm-hmm. And, and not only did I do I, I love my Bantam team now. I love them to pieces. They're great. I had to yell at a couple of them to make them a little more accountable because they are in a, a competitive program. Um, and it hurts me to do it, but I had to do it. Um, no, I care about them. And you know what I did good as a coach? I played everybody. It didn't matter if they were squirts or NHLers. Everybody played. And not only did they play, I trusted them. And I told them that. And because sometimes they're nervous, I'm 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 on a power play. I said, of course, you're a hell of a player, and I trust you totally. So do your teammates, you know. And and your opponents are not going to trust you after today. So get out there and get it done. And it it gives kids confidence. Why do you have to be little people to motivate? You know, it, it sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to be tough like that, but not often. Not with kids. Well, Lou, that bit right there hits me so hard at uh, in my heart um, from personal experience. So, I um, I really appreciate that philosophy. That if you if you if they're on your team, you coach them, you play them, you trust them. I love That's that. Right. And the other, and the other thing I use at every coaching seminar I ever spoke at, and I mean it. And anybody that wants to check check it out, they can check it out. Ask the kids who played for me. I became a reasonably decent coach after I had children of my own. Until until you have children, either you're biological or adopted, until you have children and you're a coach coaching kids, you, you don't really know you don't, uh, what's the word I'm trying to, like, I never get mad at, I, I don't get angry at parents, even ones that question me or criticize me, because I know they instinctively love their children more than anything in the world. Any parent would lay its life, would voluntarily die for their kids. Yep. Any, any parent. Yep. And I know that, being a parent, and I knew that. And, and it just reinforced it. So I remember saying to myself, when sometimes I'd see my sons down or were ridiculed or whatever, sad, whatever, and it would hurt me, you know. Um, I never spoke to coaches of my kids in any sport. My wife might, but I didn't. At the end of the year, I brought them a bottle of wine, shook their hand, thanked them. Thank you for coaching all these kids. Good job. And walked away. That's it. Um, that's how I handled it, but 
I'm not going to lie and say that it didn't hurt me if I saw one of my kids benched or whatever. Not getting a fair shot, in my view. Um, it, it, of course, it bothered me, but I never said nothing about it. But what I did do is I said to myself, you will treat every kid you coach as if it's your son or daughter. And that's been my philosophy for 40 years. And um, and I say that at every coaching seminar I speak at. I said, you'll never go wrong if you play every kid and you treat every kid, you love each kid as if it's your own. You're not going to make too many mistakes. doesn't matter if you can't teach them to pass a puck. Somebody, you can find someone that can teach them. It, what matters is how you lead them and, and, and because a coach is really a leader, how you lead them and how you help develop a love and passion of the game. Bob O'Connor used to say, and I use this, I loved it. To play hockey is great. To win is even greater. But to love hockey is the greatest. Ugh. He used to say that. And I like that. Something like that. No, that's, that's amazing. That's, you know, you, you are the, the godfather of American hockey. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And I'm so thankful for what you have shared with our listeners. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask you a favor to come back so we can do just a whole conversation yeah, we, about 1980. I love this. I, I, yeah. No one talks to me, so I love this. This is good. <laughs> well, we'll be... I'm not a god, the godfather of American hockey, in my opinion. There were a few. Yeah. Uh, the most important to me was John Mariucci. Ah, uh, he was a great. That'll make my dad happy. Athlete. He went to the U. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, and there were others, but uh, I'm not. I don't call me. You can't call me the Godfather because they fired me. <laughs> you can't. The God. Can you imagine telling Paolo Gambino as the Godfather you fired? They. <laughs> They fired me, so I'm no godfather. <laughs> I'm not even an altar boy. So, <laughs> hey, even John Gotti got fired, but just in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. But I'm just happy to be a part of it. I'm happy that USA Hockey's improved so much. And the unsung heroes of USA Hockey are really, truly uh, the thousands of sincere, great volunteers over the years. So many people that, you know, had rinks built and drove kids around. There's so many unnamed ones that only a small community would know who they are. Yes, that's very important. You're right. That's big. Yeah. Couldn't do it out. No. Yeah. We'd never be where we are today. And and that credit's got to go to all of them and and all the many uh, wonderful coaches and stuff we have today officials i mean it's it's not easy it's a it's a it's, everything is so subjective but overall it's gone pretty good and i think we can hold our own with any country in the world now any group of countries yep. i'm not saying we're the best but we can win everything but we're right there knocking on the door yeah we are yeah okay it was a lot of fun i enjoyed hearing both your voices and comments and I uh, dominated it, of course, but you that's why you did it. You wanted me to talk. Yeah, we yeah, did. No, we did. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you so much. You're it very is... welcome. You guys have a wonderful, great weekend. Thank you. Love you, Luke. You too. Love you. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. bye. All right. Wow.
all kinds of good stuff. And I don't know if you could tell, but at the uh, towards the end of that, I had a little personal um, connection to the story with Brian Gianta and, you know, and how Lou Vero handled the situation of forgetting that he had a player on the team. I mean, he really brought it out when he talked about how they had to put their names on the backs of their helmets because they never had skated. He didn't know any of these kids very well. And so he didn't know the team that well. And like he said, he was short, couldn't see him at the end of the bench. It wasn't for anything that Brian had done or not done as far as playing the game. He just as a coach, and then he owned up to it immediately. I'm sorry, team, I messed up. And of course, that is going to endear a team to the coach and to each other. Because first off, having the recognition that Steve Hines did saying, hey, coach, you couldn't put in Brian, you know, he needs to play so he can be part of it. And then how beautiful is that, that Brian comes back in the next game and puts two in the net. I mean, it's just awesome. There was no malice on the coach's side. And, you know, and, and, and for Lou to say, you know, you pick a team, you coach a team, you're responsible for that team, you trust the kids that you play, you coach the kids that you play, and you play every kid that you pick. So there you go. I know that there's a whole lot of that angst that goes on in hockey families' houses, ours included. And so if more of that starts infiltrating to every coach at every level, that angst could potentially go away. Next week, we will have part three, where we'll be talking about the American development model with Lou. We will be talking about coaching, coaching greats, people you've heard of, people you may not have heard of, but are very much a part of the fabric of hockey in the United States of America. But just bear with me, Canadian friends, you're getting the insights into USA Hockey. And it was thank you to our Canadian friends, our Russian friends, our Swedish and Finnish and Swiss and German friends, all of everybody has had a a part just like the making of America. But hockey is such a beautiful universal sport and everybody learns from each other next week. And then we will also be talking about the 1980 Olympic game. Was it a miracle or was it not? So thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you all. We have big tournament this weekend. It's our league tournament. So wish our team luck and good luck to all of you that are out there playing this amazing game of hockey. And I will see you at the rink. <music>